Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. We believe that, Lord. So let's just kick off today with the word. We're going to turn to Joshua chapter 3 and continue in our sermon series that we're calling The Crossover. And every time we say The Crossover, I just think of Allen Iverson. I'm like, I'm just ready for a basketball crossover. God, we pray for Steph Curry. He was sick last night. He couldn't play in the game. And so we ask that you heal him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you didn't know, I'm a big Steph Curry fan. But while you're turning to Joshua chapter 3, verse 7 through 13, I want you to know I am really pumped to continue this sermon series. But as I read these few verses of Scripture this week, I thought to myself, God, how am I going to turn this into a sermon? Genuinely, that's what I was thinking when I was reading through it because I thought, I just don't know where you want to go with this, God. But as I meditated on 7 through 13, I really got a clear picture, and not just a picture, but I actually think a prophetic word. Uh, I don't always write sermons in one hour and 15 minutes. But when I do, they're usually pretty good to me, okay? And so these were one of, this was one of those messages where I sat down on Wednesday morning, and about an hour and 15 minutes later, I looked up from the kitchen table, and I, I said to Allison, the Lord just gave me this whole message in an hour and 15 minutes. This is like a download, and I really feel like it is significant for our house And I do feel, and I don't say this often, and I say this humbly, I do really feel like it is significant for those all around the world who are linked with legacy and people who will hear the message because I think that God is doing something in the lives of kingdom leaders that flow and function in their kingdom gift like the man Joshua. All right? So today, Joshua 3, 7 through 13, the Lord said to Joshua, today, everybody say today. This is significant because I don't want you to push this word off until tomorrow. Everybody say, I ain't going to do that. This is what God has to speak over your life, over your purpose, over your destiny, over your ministry today. Everybody say today. It's important that we get this. Today, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel. Everybody say favor. Don't we like that word? That's good, isn't it? Favor. You almost can't say it without singing it. It's so good, isn't it? Favor. Today I will begin to favor you, exalt you, promote you, lift you up, bless you. These are all good words, amen? I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that's the entire nation, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now remember that. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Verse 8. And as for you, Joshua, command, everybody say speak. Speak. It's important. Joshua stepped into a new realm of his leadership. He he moved from simply working for leadership, working in a leadership role, uh, to speaking from a position of leadership, which is a big crossover in leadership, all right? And so that's verse 8. And as for you, command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Now, the Jordan is a very 
significant place throughout all of Scripture. This is where John the Baptist baptized. It's where Jesus was baptized. Jordan plays a significant role uh, throughout the Bible. And this is where the crossover took place. Think about it. Jesus had a crossover at the Jordan, right? He moved into his ministry. He moved uh, into his leadership calling at the Jordan. And we see Israel doing that as a precursor to what Christ would ultimately accomplish, to what we would ultimately be called into, a crossover into a place of exaltation, into a place of blessing, into a place of promotion, into a place of favor, into a place of leadership, to do some significant things on the behalf of other people. Amen? Like Joshua did it on the behalf of his nation. Listen, I know there's only like 25 people in here, but I really feel like God's given me a word to preach. And I do think it's about generational leadership. And I believe with all my heart that even in our house, God is raising up some generational leaders. Leaders who are going to lead in the midst of our generation, who are going to pioneer some things for the next generation. I'm telling you, I, I really believe this. This word struck a chord with me uh, this week. Verse 9, and Joshua said, notice Joshua is now speaking. He's now leading with his words. He said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to what? The words of the Lord your God. This is something that leaders understand quite well. Is that our words are not the words that carry the potency. It's, it's not my words that are great. But it is God's words in my mouth that make my leadership, my communication, my preaching, what I speak great. You with me? Yes, so this is what Joshua's understanding. He said, hey, come to me, but it has nothing to do with me. Come listen to me, but in reality, you're not listening to me. You guys getting anything out of this so far? Come listen to the words, not, not of Lyle, not of uh, fill in the blank, put your name in there. Uh, come, come listen to the words, uh, not of a pastor. Come listen to the words of God. This is something that generational leaders understand. Verse 10, and Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail. Everybody say without fail. Man, that, that right there is a word for somebody in here, somebody watching online that God never fails. That without fail, he will drive out from before you, your enemies. Those are the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hibites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. A lot of ites. Verse 11, and behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. <laughs> That's good, right? Of all the earth, not just of Israel, not just the Jewish people, also the Gentiles, not just America, also Africa, not just Brazil, also Europe, right? It's like the presence of the Lord is a substantial leader for every nation of the earth. Is passing over before you into the Jordan, verse 12. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man, right? Does this sound familiar? Jesus, you know, he takes 12 men, right? Ordinary men, right? But he empowers them with his spirit to lead a nation in the New Testament, a new nation, a new Israel. 
I, I came with this message for myself, didn't I, Todd? I'm telling you, man, I got hyped when the Lord gave me this download. Verse 13, and when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, when the soles of the feet of the leaders bearing the presence of the Lord, right? The Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall then be cut off from flowing. Everybody say miracle, miracle. right? And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Everybody say wonder. Supernatural activity right here happening around this, uh, this event. So the message I have for you today, Legacy, is the Joshua Generals. Inhabitation level leadership. All right. Joshua Generals. Everybody say, that's me. Come on, you guys just throw it in the chat right now. Say, that's me. That's me. I'm a Joshua general. I have inhabitation level leadership resting upon my life. That is me. I am a Joshua general. I am a generational leader in Jesus' name. Amen. So the crossover that we're talking about. If you don't remember, Pastor Michael Miller from Upper Room was with us a couple of weeks ago at our Legacy Weekend event. And uh, he mentioned, he said prophetically, I feel like God is allowing Legacy to cross over. And that phrase stuck with me all week. Anybody else? It just stuck with me. And I thought, you know what? I really think that's a word from the Lord. I had a message prepared for uh, last week about something completely different. I had a sermon series prepared for February that was about relationships. You know, it's Valentine's Day. We all want to talk about love during the month of February. And I just thought, you know, this would be a strategic mes message. And then the Holy Spirit just flipped it. There's a crossover that took place. I said, okay, Lord, we don't often do this, but I feel like I need to follow you down this path and preach about the crossover from Israel into the Jordan. Now, we all shout about the crossover because we're leaving our wilderness. We're leaving that season of feeling lost and aimless, and we're moving into that place of our purpose. Now, that is an easy thing to shout about, amen? We can get really excited, excited about inhabiting, which is our word uh, from the Lord over 2021. But one of the things that I did not consider when you look at the crossover is not just all of the people moving into the place of their promises, but the emergence of new leadership. Okay? When a crossover takes place in a house, when a crossover takes place amongst a generation, there is an emerging, there is an emerging of new leaders. Right? Who's going to be those new leaders? Come on, we've all received the invitation. It is for us all. Who is going to be the, the, the new uh, leadership of this emerging generation? You know, we have heroes in this house. You know, we look at, we look at uh, Bill Johnson. We, we look at Heidi Baker, right? That's my spiritual mom. I, I look at her and I'm like, hero. I, I spoke with her for an hour on the phone this week. And she quoted this to me in prayer without us even talking about it. I'm like, yep, I know this is the Lord. We're supposed to talk about this. And she kept reiterating, today, today, today. And I'm like, yes, yes. The new leaders are emerging today, today. God is highlighting new leaders right now. And uh, I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those emerging leaders for our generation. 
And God says, today this is happening. And I do believe in our house, Legacy Nashville, that there is a new breed of leaders that are emerging. We're starting to talk about leadership more. We're starting to uh, look and examine what it means to be a hashtag legacy leader. Let's go. Uh, right now, but I do believe that there are some people who sit in these seats and who will sit in these seats every Sunday that are feeling a stirring happening on the inside of them. They're feeling a draw from the Holy Spirit. I got to get involved. I got to get engaged. I got to be on the front lines of what God is doing. And, and if you're watching us online, I get it because we feel it right here too. And uh, we always say a church alive is worth the drive. You know, but a church on fire, man, is worth logging into on YouTube on Sunday morning and saying, I'm not even going to miss a Sunday. God is doing something in this house in Nashville, Tennessee. I've got to be a part of it. And I get it. I feel it as well. And, and this is what inhabitation actually requires. Uh, inhabitation actually requires an increase in leadership. And it also requires an increase in leaders. Numerically. It also, it also requires that, you know, Moses, like he had Jethro, right? But then you see Joshua, he gets promoted. And what does God tell him to do? Well, appoint 12. There was a crossover. There was an emergence. There was a multiplication of leaders. And I don't want you to forget this. Uh, leaders are laborers. All right. Uh, if you think really, really good, that does not make you a really, really good leader. Right. I've I've learned this as a leader. It's a lot easier to get a doer thinking than it is to get a thinker doing. So if you're really smart and you're like, I know how this church needs to be ran. I don't care if you won't serving kids. <laughs> Sorry, you know, we got staff in here today and I get like this, church online, you know, that, that spirit of the roast that just comes on me. I know. But listen, God is raising up laborers that don't just talk about the harvest, but grab a sickle and they go to work in the harvest fields. That's who a leader is. And those type of leaders God is actively looking for. Those type of leaders we're looking for. I am not singling out any particular person, any particular position. But what I am saying, church family, is that God is inviting everybody. Everybody say, that's me. Even you at home. I don't care where you're watching this from. Even you guys over in South Africa and Europe and those of you who tune in every week. Okay, I'm talking to you as well. All right. God is inviting everybody to step into a new measure of leadership in your sphere or your realm of influence. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you live. It could be on your university. It could be on your job. It could be in your kitchen. It doesn't matter. But God is looking throughout the earth right now and he is highlighting laborers. He's inviting in leaders who are going to lead during this crossover season and lead their nations for this emerging generation. Amen. Now, with that being said, uh, I want you to know just some personal stuff. Um, I'm glad it's church online today because I'm going to preach for a while. 
All right, you okay with that, guys? All right, so here's what I might do. I'm, I have six points. I might make it through all six, or I might just do three and do the other three next week. Okay, let's just see how this goes. All right. <laughs> you guys ain't got nothing better to do. What would you be doing right now? It's one service. You'd be watching YouTube anyway at home. So, listen, uh, leveling up in your leadership is not linear. All right. I feel like the Lord gave me a big download here, guys. I mean this. I think there's going to be a lot of good stuff in here, okay? But leveling up in your leadership is not linear. How many of you guys can testify to this, right? You think it's going to be like, oh, man, it's just going to be a straight shot to victory. I got a prophetic word at Legacy Weekend, praise God. I'm going to step out on Monday morning. All the demons are going to bow. My shadow is going to start healing people. I'm going to get a promotion on my job. I'm going to hit a scratch off lottery ticket. You know, it's like you just start thinking like you're, like Job said in Job 29, your steps are going to be bathed in butter. Isn't that a good picture of favor? <laughs> I like that. My steps are bathed in butter. Hallelujah. Now that is a season of favor. Do you receive that, Todd? I received that. Hallelujah. And that's what Job said as he reflected on what life was like before he went through his own pandemic. If you think about it, if you think about it, right? And so he's reflecting on that. And that's, that's like the trajectory of generational leaders. You get a prophetic word because you're about to need it, right? You get a picture of the palace because God needs you to carry the grace of that word as you step out onto the path of process. How's that for alliteration? Like, but that's real talk. Like, that's the way that it works. The path into your purpose, the path into your promised land, your pathway of inhabiting does not go like this. It's like this. Right? And one of the things you have to remember is that whenever David was anointed king, he did not wear the crown until 15 years later. Some words take a while. But listen, you can only build as high as you dig deep. A skyscraper cannot be built on a six-inch foundation. Are you guys getting anything out of this, right? So God will promote you not in accordance with your gift. <laughs> but in accordance with your character, okay? And so the reason why it goes like this is because you start to recognize, hold on, wait, I am anointed to do that there right now. And the Lord's like, you might be anointed to do it, but there are some things that I am working out in you so that when you do it, you do it for me and you do it for the nation and not for yourself. <laughs> you guys get what I'm saying? And so that's what God is working out in, in King David even. Listen, some of the best messages I've ever received, I received at 22. Uh, no lie. I promise you, I'm serious. Like I look back at my journals. I look back at my sermons. I think one of the best messages that I've ever preached that the Lord gave me, I was 22. It was my second sermon and it was on the blood of Jesus. Honestly, I really do. I'm like, that, I don't know that I could get any better than that. Like it is just good content. You know what I mean? 
but nobody was calling me asking me to preach that sermon when I was 22. And here's what I uh, was really frustrated about. I have something to say. What the heck is wrong with the world? I am anointed and appointed. I am God's man of power for the hour. You know what I mean? It's like I have heard this in prayer. I have received prophetic words. But no one else is seeing it. No one else is recognizing it. Guys, that is that, that, is that uh, you know, up and down of walking through the wilderness concerning your assignment. Yes, you might be anointed to be king, but you may not be king. Because God needs to work out everything on the inside of you so that when you wear the crown, you won't make the crown about you. But when you worship, you'll take the crown off of your head and you'll fling it to the feet of Jesus and you'll say, everything that I do is for the glory and honor of King Jesus. Everything that he tells me to do is for the blessing and the honor of the people that I am called to serve. I am simply a channel. I am an intercessor. That's what it means. I am standing in the gap. I am a bridge of blessing between the secret place where God dwells and my generation that is yet to proclaim the name of Jesus. This is who generational leaders are. And it takes a while before you become eclipsed. You guys get what I'm saying? It takes a while before you are willing to allow the spirit to subtract you from the equation to the extent that God can really get glory out of your life when you're squeezed. And thank God for it. Listen, you do not want to be promoted to a position that is bigger on the outside than you are on the inside. I'm, t I'm telling you the truth because what will happen is that glory, right? Do you know the word in Hebrew for glory is kabod? You know what it means? Weight. Dude, glory can crush a man or a woman. Right? And so we have to be mindful that God do not promote me until what's around me is bigger than that that is within me. Because when the glory falls, I want to be able to carry it and not falter. You know, and some people, they spend so much time working on themselves that they forget about connecting with their friends because it, with their family, with their church, with their community, because there's going to be times where you have the character to carry what God puts upon your life. But he wants to see if you will be interdependent upon his body to carry what he's put upon your life, because God is not interested in raising up lone rangers. He is interested in raising up mothers and fathers that serve long before they deserve. You guys getting anything out of this so far? You know how often recently I have had people text me, DM me, and I'm serious about this. I'm not, I'm not like making a big deal out of it for the sake of the sermon, okay? Like recently and say, what is going on at Legacy? I'm, I'm serious. How many phone calls? I mean, people coming out of the woodwork, ministers that I haven't talked to in five years. And they're like, hey... What in the world is going on at Legacy? Like I talked to a minister the other day in New Zealand that was like, thank you for the prayer rooms. Right? And, and this is not uncommon. It's happening right now. I, I, and it's like, man, what's going on with Legacy? It just feels like you guys are about to explode. Amen. Hey, amen. Right? Amen. That's awesome, God. Let's go, Lord. We're cool with it. 
We want to be exalted. Nobody's going to say amen to that. I understand. I get it. It's like kind of embarrassing to admit you'd like favor. <laughs> right? <laughs> but then you, you get it and you make fun of everybody who don't have it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm messing. All right. But you get what I'm saying. It's like, hey, I'm cool because the, the scripture teaches that if you will humble yourself, then God will exalt you. And sometimes when you're attempting to humbling your, humble yourself, you don't know how successful you're being at it. Because the ego's loud. Right? And, but, but when God says, man, I'm going to take a church, I'm going to take a house, I'm going to take a leadership team, I'm going to take some pastors, I'm going to take some people, and I'm going to exalt them, then you can look back on the old season and you say, okay, well, whatever I chose to do, more of that. Go low, go slow, repent, have clean hands, have a pure heart, be vulnerable, be honest, be open, let people rebuke you and correct you. Listen. You, you, you guys get what I'm saying? Right? And so I'm seeing that happen right now where a lot of people are saying, hey, look, look, God's doing something. Legacy is about to explode. You guys are about to grow. There's so much favor resting on your life. There's so many things that are about to happen. And for the first time, I don't care. Can I be honest with you guys? Which in my, in, in my understanding, that's a precursor to something actually happening. Because it doesn't matter how big God builds around us. I know what he's building in us, which is the person of Jesus, a focus on his face and on his beauty, a devotion to prayer and worship, a willingness to fast and go after God like never before, to stay connected in relationship and not tolerate offense. Like it's like, hey God, you want us to blow up in other people's perspectives? That's fine. But here's the place where we must be anchored. Before your face, in your presence, knelt down at your throne, wearing no crowns, saying, God, whatever you want to build in me, build it. Whatever you want to do through me, do through me. But you know what keeps us in the wilderness? What keeps us in that place of process without inhabitation? It is comparison. It's true. Because anytime we engage comparison, what follows quickly after that? Competition. And you know what happens whenever we stay in that place of competition and refuse to repent? We stay on the dirt road of the wildernesses. For some of us, getting out of your wilderness is as easy as refusing to continue to compete. I'm telling you, I believe this very, very passionately. I, I do. And... and um, there were times when um, I knew God had anointed us to do great things here in this city and we would watch other churches like explode in a sense. And I remember thinking when we first started like, God, I wanted to be the cool church in Nashville and we're in a living room. Lord, I'm mad. You know, I mean, I had plenty of those prayer walks. You guys, <laughs> you probably don't like for me to admit that. But listen, I've had plenty of those prayer walks. All right. Like, God, are, have you not seen how awesome I am? Right? What about all those prophetic words you gave me? And the Lord's like, yeah, yeah, I know about all those prophetic words. I actually said those things. <laughs> and I'm cool to promote you. I'm totally cool to give you the spotlight. I'm just wondering if you can defer it to somebody else first who deserves it less. And I think that's a precursor to all promotion. It's like, oh, you wanted that. Okay, let me give it to your friend. <laughs> what? 
I prayed for this. I fasted. They were eating Big Macs, Lord. <laughs> totally. But if I gave it to you because you fasted, you would think it was about your works. But it's not, it's about my goodness. And I'm totally comfortable in giving you the blessing too. I just wanted to see how you were going to respond when I gave it to somebody else that deserves it less in your opinion. You know, we need, I call it a bird's eye perspective, right? We know that Yahweh sees the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. And when we sit with him in the place of the presence, we receive a difference in our perspectives. Psalm chapter 73, do some homework, read that this week. It's a wonderful Psalm. You know, the Psalmist is complaining to the Lord about all of the blessing and the breakthrough and the promotion of the sinful. And he's complaining. He's like, why in the world are you letting these guys have all the exaltation? But if you look halfway through the psalm, it says, but then I went into the presence of the Lord. Listen, church, in the presence that you have is the perspective that you need. In the presence that you have is the perspective that you need. Oftentimes our problems are simply matters of our perspective. If we will get an upgrade in our perspectives, we'll get a downgrade in our problems. What the enemy says is really big, really huge, impossible to overcome is often the things that God says, I will cast that mountain into the sea with the quickness. I have no problems stomping on the head of the serpent. This is an easy condition for me to heal. Right? But we don't have that perspective because we're so impressed by the size of our problems when we've deprived our spirit from God's presence. Problems become a lot smaller when you're drenched in the glory. Like you can actually laugh at things that you ran from after one encounter. Come on, this is better than some of you guys are saying amen this morning. But I know it's the truth. Listen, I had a dream this week and uh, I haven't even got to one point. So I'm sorry. Um, whatever. If, if the Lord is happy, then we're happy. Amen. Amen. So I had this dream this week and, um, and, and I was actually with, I think it was like the staff team. I can't really remember. Uh, but I know it was some of you guys. And we were over in like Europe somewhere. And it was like all this chaos happening all over the place. And I, I told everyone, hey, we need to look for an emblem. We need to look for like a, a symbol or something that, that, that is going to give us revelation about what God is speaking. Okay, so that was in the dream. And I was looking for like a locket or, a, or you know, like a, a charm on a necklace or something of that sort. You know, I was looking like, where, where is a, there's got to be a symbol somewhere. And then all of a sudden we were in a restaurant, which I think is just like the Lord, right? I will, I will put you at a table in the presence of your enemies, right? And uh, <laughs> this is so good. And so we were sitting there and it, it was like war and fire and all this stuff going on outside. And the waiter walks up with this massive chalice. <laughs> so good, so big that it looked like a movie prop. It's like not something you could actually drink out of. And I got hit with so much joy in the dream. 
because I knew it was about wine and joy and like, you know, partying and all that stuff. And uh, Will Hart was in the dream. And when I'm, in a, when I'm in a dream and I just get touched by the Lord, okay, you guys are going to make fun of me. But I always do that. <laughs> And so in the morning, I was like, man, I had some dreams last night. And Allison was like, I know. <laughs> I said, how did you know? She was like, you're manifesting in your sleep. <laughs> and I just remember that big chalice, that big cup, right? The cup of joy came in. I was, Whoa! <laughs> right? That, what, what, what does that suggest? The perspective, the upgrade that you get as a result of spending time with Jesus in the presence allows you to have joy and fullness of joy, right? Psalm 16, right? It's right there. Is that right? Psalm 15, 16, 16, isn't it? 16 and 11. I don't know. A scholar, please check me, okay? Somebody throw it in the chat. Psalm 16 and 11, right? In his presence, come on, you guys know this. You're churchy. Is fullness of what? And at his right hand are pleasures, hallelujah, forevermore. What? That means no matter the chaos that may surround us, by stepping into the presence, one encounter with Jesus, one encounter with Jesus, right? The man that was crowned with glory and with joy, right? Psalm 45 we know that he was the life of every party he attended. He turned water into wine for people who had already had enough to drink. Like there is a lot of joy in the presence. And no matter what we experience in this life, if we will be devoted to the presence, we can be qualified to become Joshua generals, having habitation level leadership because we're impressed by no giants. Right? You look at the spies. I'm, I'm like going on so many rabbit trails. But listen, you look at the spies, right? And, and you look at the two that got to inhabit, right? Who were the two that got to inhabit? Those that were more impressed with the size of Yahweh than they were the size of the giants that occupied the territory that God had promised them through prophecy. Listen, when God gives you prophetic words, you will spy out that land one way or the other. You're going to go drive through the neighborhood where God said, I'm going to give you a house in this neighborhood. You're going to get online. You're going to check the website where the Lord said, hey, this is going to happen with this place, with this business, with this company, with this ministry. You're going to start putting in your resume. You're going to do something to go spy out the land. And the difference in you being more impressed by the size of the giants that dwell there and stepping into that season with confidence, knowing God has got your back no matter what happens, is you standing, just like it said right here in Joshua chapter 3, he told the priests to take the presence of the Lord that they were carrying and stand in the Jordan. Stand in the presence of God at the precipice of their promised land and say, I'm going to be more impressed with the size of God than I am with the size of the giants. I don't care if it's the Hittites, the... Jebusites, the Amorites, the whatever they are, it ain't going to matter who they are. It don't matter how, you know, how big they are, how small they are, how gifted they are. It doesn't matter what the enemy says. Doesn't matter what so-and-so says. Doesn't matter who lied on me, who's come against me, who double-crossed me, who stole from me, who tried to mess it up for me. If God be for me, then who can be against me? And we get that perspective by spending time with God in the presence. Amen.
Amen. Okay, so let's, let's dive here into point one, which is going to come from verse seven. Okay, so it says, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel. Joshua had been prepared by the wilderness and was now declared ready by God to step into his leadership role. And verse seven continues on to say, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Okay, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Here's a question for you. How was God with Moses? Okay, right? Come on, this is from our legacy weekend. This is so good, right? You look at Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses. How? Face to face. How? As one speaks to a friend, right? So whenever Joshua hears the word of the Lord and says, I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses, what does he know? God is going to be with me face to face. He's going to speak to me. He's going to lead me. He's going to counsel me as a man speaks with his friend. And this church, this implies intimacy, right? This implies a, a deep spiritual face to face connection. This requires the presence of God, the tangible presence of God. Like Joshua was a tent dweller. Like he loved to sit around in the prayer room. If you didn't know that, right? Even after Moses, the leader of the nation, he was like, okay, I'm done. Joshua would say, I'm just going to hang out a little bit longer in the prayer room. Right? He was a presence junkie, okay? And so this is point one. This generation's leaders will be presence people. I'm telling you, it's the truth. This generation's leaders will be presence People, I am going to read this one more time for effect because I want you to get it deep into your spirit, okay? We're talking about Joshua generals. We're talking about inhabitation level leadership. We're talking people who are going to lead our generation. I'm talking millennials. I'm talking Gen Z. I'm talking Gen Alpha. I'm talking this next wave of what the church is to be in our world and especially what it is to be in America. People are not going to stay impressed by systems forever. They're not. Systems, structure, infrastructure, pipelines, all of those things are absolute necessities. We should use them. They are tools that God has provided to us for discipling people. But if we do not have the priority of the presence intact, we are going to falter about the calling of God on this house. I'm telling you the truth. Church, I believe this. Ge this generation's leaders will be presence people. These leaders are not simply spirit-filled. They are spirit-led. What does that mean? That means they get what they need in the secret place before they move to do their purpose in the public place. If you are doing your purpose in the public place, here's what I can guarantee. It will not be long before you run dry unless you are constantly and consistently spending time with Jesus in the secret place. The enemy comes for your intimacy because he recognizes if he can bring disconnection between you 
and that place of God's presence, then he can get you to, get, to, to become evicted from the places you're supposed to inhabit. The real prophetic place of your purpose, church, is so deeply connected to God's presence that you will never make it there unless you are spending time consistently in God's presence. This is one of the greatest reasons why people throw in the towel. I mean, this is real talk. Church, honestly, we all had dreams of what God was calling us to do when we were 18, 19, in our early 20s, when we first got saved, when we were on fire, when we were passionate, right? Nobody's going to give me an amen about this, right? Oh my gosh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to move here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to get this degree. I'm going to move into ministry. I'm going to do all these things. And I can guarantee if you have stopped pursuing those things, it's not that you stopped pursuing your, pres your, your purpose. It's that you le legitimately stopped pursuing the person of Jesus. If you're not inhabiting, it's not the fault of the giant. It's prayerlessness. I'm telling you, church, you will move at the speed that you are willing to pray. If you refuse to pray, it should be illegal for you to complain. Why not, instead of turning your complaints to Facebook... Turn your complaints to Jesus in the presence. It's absolutely biblically acceptable to complain in prayer. Read the Psalms. It's not about your complaining. It's okay to complain. It's about who you complain to. I understand everybody's like, word vomit. Let me process. Listen, I, we, the staff team and I, we talked about this this week. Let's process in the presence before we process with people. Because that's what Joshua generals do. That, that's what leaders do. These leaders are not solely purpose-driven. They are presence-driven. Now, this is a big deal. It's a very big deal. You, you guys get what I said there? They are not purpose-driven. We're all so obsessed with our purpose that we will throw anybody under the bus and accept it as collateral damage on our way to our purpose. I will break up with my friends of a decade. I will divorce my wife of two decades. I will quit every job. I, you know, you guys get what I'm saying? You're not hearing me, are you? I mean, you just get ruthless. Well, this is my purpose. This is my, I'm driven by my purpose. Are you sure though? Are you sure that's still your purpose? Because unless you are driven by the presence, it's impossible to stay present with your purpose. You may be living off a word from yesteryear, but you don't even know it because you won't go to the secret place. Right? People are complaining about spiritual malnourishment. You're eating leftovers. Why are you trying to feed from that jug of manna that the Lord told you would not sustain you today? I wish this was a full house because I came ready to preach today. Obviously. <laughs> 
We are, we are presence-driven people, not purpose-driven people. And, that, and that's no slight to Rick Warren. I've read the book. It's, a, it's an excellent book, okay? Please read it. It's awesome. But we are presence-driven people. If your presence does not go with me, Lord, do not send me up from here. I, I want one thing and one thing only, Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I have desired, one thing do I seek, one thing do I want. I want the presence of Jesus. If I'm standing with Jesus, I'll end up in my promised land. If I'm standing with Jesus, I'll end up in my purpose. If I'm standing with Jesus, I'll inhabit every prophetic word that has ever been spoken over my life that was valid. Was that word from the Lord? Uh, I don't know. If I walk with Jesus, every word that is from the Lord, he'll take me into it. I'm suffering from a paralysis of analysis and looking back at all of my prophetic words. We'll go to prayer. <laughs> There's perspective for you in prayer that you need in order to inhabit. I, I'm sorry that I'm not coming off of this and maybe we'll stop at, at point one today. But church, this is so, so, so important to us. I'm telling you, if I could preach this for a year, I literally might try. I'm dead serious. The priority of the presence of Jesus cannot be taken lightly. It must be seen with urgency. It must be recognized with severity. We cannot move from the place of the presence or else we will never get to do what God has called us to do. Church, it's not going to happen. We must be stuck in that place. And if God calls us to explode or to have another, hey, 30,000 subscribers on YouTube. We love you all and we're so grateful. But if the Lord wants us to do any more, any place, anywhere, it's going to be because we've chosen to be obedient in his presence. That's it. That's it. That's it. We just keep it so simple. Our devotion is to Jesus and purely Jesus. Whatever he tells us to do in the secret place, we step out in grace to obey. And then he gives the increase. He brings the breakthrough. And then we get to do all kinds of spectacular things that we never thought possible because grace is functioning through us. And it's not in our own strength or our own good works. Do you want to live a spectacular life or do you want to live a life that you can accomplish in your own strength? Come on. I want to live a God life. I want to see signs, wonders, miracles, breakthroughs. I want to see giants fall. I want to see cancer healed. I want to see leukemia healed. I want to see people who are on their last leg and are on the brink of divorce come into an atmosphere of revival and say, we don't know what happened, but the presence of God knit our hearts back together again. We don't have a clue what's going on in our life. We just sense this hunger for God. I want to see a neighborhood. I want to see a neighborhood curiously make their way to these front doors saying, we don't even believe in this, but we cannot help but to show up this morning because whatever's happening in here has piqued our curiosity. Jesus has become irresistible to me. Are, are, I mean, are you guys about that life or are we just trying to do church? Because I love church. I love the house of the Lord. But the only reason the house of the Lord is anything, is anything special is because of that second part of the phrase, is because it's of the Lord. <laughs> it's not about the house. It's not about the brick and mortar. We are the house. We are the gems, right? Jesus is the cornerstone. This is what God is building through us. A people of the presence that are so devoted to him that everything that we do flows out of that place. 
You will never be in lack if you make the priority your, uh, if you make the presence your priority. There's a lot of P's in the midst of this, and I don't mean to do that. Just kind of happening. But you will never lack, right? Give us this day what our daily. You'll never lack if you go to prayer. If you go to prayer, you'll never lack. You'll never lack. So. Uh, they don't learn, these leaders don't learn to make their best decisions from leadership books, but from God's book. It's amazing to me that people will make a reading plan with 12 books and won't include the Bible. I'm a, I, I am a leader. I am a leader for Jesus. <laughs> what? You're reading more Steve Jobs than you are Jesus Christ. Read Steve Jobs. That's fine. Just don't read more of him than you do the Lord. <laughs> One has more insight on leadership than the other. <laughs> Can you imagine how Jesus is feeling? Like, he's like, I wrote literally the best possible book for you. It's right there. It's free online. And, you know, and you're shopping on Amazon trying to get all this insight and revelation through reading for hours and hours and hours. And I could give it to you through minutes in prayer. And I'm not, I am not dogging books. I read so many books, okay? I read leadership books. I've read Steve Jobs' books too, okay? I've watched the, the, the Ashton Kutcher uh, video as well, all right? It's great. I'm not dogging people. All I'm saying is, is that we cannot exalt any of that leadership knowledge over the wisdom of Jesus. This is better. Can we all say this is better? This is better. And we have to understand that. Uh, they don't receive their best wisdom from podcast, but from the secret place of prayer. If, if you want to be a kingdom leader and you want to practice leadership, your best posture is on your knees prayer. First place, only place, last place, forever place. The priority is that place, prayer. You want to be a leader? Learn to pray well. If you lead in prayer, I promise you, you will have no problem leading people. Let me say that again, because it's a lot, so we didn't catch it. If you lead in prayer, you will have no problem leading people because God will give you supernatural revelation and insight on what an individual needs in the spirit, not just from a book, so that you can pray for them, minister to them, lead them, encourage them, prophesy over them. You will not have a problem leading people if you will lead them in prayer first. I believe that. These leaders get what they need from the secret place of prayer. And then they do what God has called them to do with grace and obedience. Uh, to, you know, to summarize, I'm, I'm just going to do one, one point today. Is that fine? It, it, this, I think this was enough. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Uh, some of us are being prepared as leaders, and some of us are being declared as leaders. Where you're at right now has everything to do with your character and nothing to do with your talent. Amen? Okay. So I promise, listen, God will not be mocked. God is not a man that he should lie. No word returns to him void, like scientists even agree, like the universe is still expanding. When God said, let there be light, it's never stopped. <laughs> like, no word comes back empty-handed, like that's God. 
If God said it over you, nobody can stop it. No leader, no pastor, no employer, no boss, nobody, not a parent, not a cousin, not a friend. Uh, nobody can stop the word of the Lord over your life. Except for you. Through disobedience and rejection and sin and unrepentance. So what we have to understand is that God puts his leaders in processes. And you have no clue where you are on the map unless you spend time with him in the presence. For some of us in here, we need to remember that there is something called a fruit of the spirit, patience. The Holy Spirit is a patient spirit. We need to get this. The Holy Spirit is a patient spirit. Amen? You know how often it's like we want God to have patience towards us and swift justice towards others. <laughs> right? <laughs> but the Holy Spirit, we have to remember that a byproduct of the Spirit's presence is patience. If you are in a hurry, pray. Right? If you cannot wait and it is causing you a ton of anxiety to continue to wait on your prophetic words, pray. Because I promise prayer will provide you with a ton of patience, more P words. <laughs> but it's true. We have to remember this is a fruit of the Spirit, patience. And, and we, we can only get this from the presence. In a, in, a gener, in a microwave generation, we have to understand that not everything happens instantaneously with God. There wasn't, even there wasn't even instantaneous miracles every time with Jesus. You notice that in Scripture? It's sometimes he heals them immediately and it's a miracle. But then in, uh, in other uh, references, it's like, and then the next day around the same time they were healed. Like, it's not always a uh, microwave situation with God. Sometimes it's a crockpot situation with Jesus. Good things take time, man. Good things take time. And you have to understand, like, if you've been waiting a long time for the prophetic word to be made manifest over your life, I want you to go back to where you heard it, which was the presence of God. Go back to that place and sit with Jesus in the presence and say, okay, God, I'm going to complain. Okay, that's very biblical. Okay, God, I'm going to wrestle. Okay, Jacob, that's very biblical. I am angry. Okay, yeah, that's also pretty biblical. How often do we see David pour out his contempt before the Lord? Amen? Yeah, okay, I am sad. I am grieved. Okay, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, get back to that place of the presence and let God speak to you and provide perspective and provide patience in the midst of your waiting and give you a renewed understanding of the size of your God. This is not about you. This is not about your purpose. This is not about what you get to do. It is all about what King Jesus wants to do in this generation through some Joshua generals that say, you know what, God, I don't care what it looks like. I'm just signing up to be obedient. God, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care where I have to work. I don't care where I have to go. I don't care what I have to preach or what I have to say. I don't care what I have to walk away from or surrender. If I get Jesus in exchange, that's the best deal of my life. Joshua Generals. I think that's the word for today. So let's just stand up and pray. 
We just want to say thank you, Lord, for the qualification that comes from your presence. We want to say thank you, Lord, for the purification that comes from your presence. Lord, we ask you today, give us clean hands and a pure heart. Wash us free of selfish ambition, Lord. <clears throat> Peter called selfish ambition actually demonic. You know, self-promotion is an anti-Christ ministry. It, it, liter it literally, it goes against the spirit of Jesus because Jesus came to serve and to not be served. Right? And so, Lord, we ask that you would clean us up today. We ask that your blood would flow through our veins. Purify our hearts, purify our minds, our brains, our thoughts, our perspectives, what we see and what we say, Lord, purify our speech, purify our speech, Lord. Uh, Holy Spirit, give us grace to practice restraint in our speech. Give us discipline with our prayer life. Let us enjoy what you're calling us into, like that dream you gave me this week, Lord. Let us be in joy despite the chaos that may surround us because we're in the presence God, you are way more willing than we are willing. We're not, we're, we're so often, we're not fighting against you, Lord. We're just, we're just fighting against ourselves. And it's, let the wrestling match be finished. Give up the ghost. Let the flesh be crucified. Jesus says, just give up that. And today you will be with me in paradise and that is the prophetic word for us when we stop wrestling against the old man the old nature sinful nature Lord we just thank you God for bringing us into that place bringing us into that place of purpose Lord we know that the pathway into that place uh, starts in the secret place and so Lord I just pray you'd make us hungry for prayer I, I thank you God for the ministry of the prayer room God I, I pray that in this season God that as we focus more on the prayer room. Lord, that you would help us build a prayer room that brings you glory. I pray over this church, Lord. I, I thank you, God, that, that you're putting in us a heart for your presence. That you're putting in us, God, a heart for prayer. You're putting in us, Lord, a heart that says, I'm willing to fast. I'm, I'm willing to, to walk away from anything the world has to offer me to walk into what God has for me. I receive that, Lord. We receive that today as a church, Lord. We thank you for your presence. For those of you at home and for those of you in the building, could we just thank the Lord Jesus for his presence just a little bit longer? We thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you for your presence, Lord. You always show up each and every time we mention your name. When we worship you, Lord, you just come running. You come running. When we call out to you for help, Lord, you come running. You come running. So, Lord, we lift our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from. And we say, Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, come. Come, come, come. We want you, Lord Jesus. Come, come, come. Lord, and we call out to you for revival. We ask you for revival, Lord. We ask you for revival. We ask you for revival. We ask you for revival, Lord. I've just been watching these revival documentaries on YouTube. Just one after the other, just watching them over and over, saying, Lord, give us a heart for revival. 
move in a region, Lord, in such a way it's like the atmosphere has been permeated with the glory to where people just undeniably have encounters with the living God through the man Christ Jesus. They can't figure it out. Nobody preached to them. Nobody prayed for them. Nobody prophesied to them. They just know and want Jesus, Lord. An unprecedented harvest of souls in our region, God. Lord, you said our city was a city that would be set up on a hill to not be hidden, Lord. Make this a, a home base of revival, Lord. We believe, Lord. We believe that you want to do it more than we want you to. So God, we ask that you purify us, purify us, purify us, Lord, so that we might carry that weight of your glory. Move in us, God. Give us good character. Move in our marriages, God. Strengthen our covenants so that when revival shows up, it doesn't break any relationships. So that when revival shows up, nobody's offended by what they're asked to do. Oh yeah, Lord, we believe like revival's just spelled out W-O-R-K. Oh, revival's not easy. Revival's hard. We know that, Lord. But if you're with us, we have joy in the midst of the chaos. Fire's falling, chaos is happening. Wars are being waged, the battles are taking place. And yet we have that big old cup of joy. A lot of people don't recognize this, but this, the cup of suffering is, is really the cup of joy. The cup of suffering is really the cup of joy. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We say we will drink it, Lord. We choose yes. We choose yes. We choose to drink it, Lord. We say yes. We say yes. We say yes. We say yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord. Uh, when I was a missionary in India, I asked the Lord, God, give me the nation of India. It's a crazy, scary prayer. Lord, I cry out to you, God, for India. Give me the nation of India. I want to see souls saved. I want to see kids rescued from human trafficking. Lord, give me the nation of India. I remember I was down on my knees at a conference crying out to God, and I had this vision of this cup that was like flung at me. It never tipped over anything. It was just kind of rattled its way to my knees. And uh, he said, you want India? This is the cup of suffering. Drink it. And I noticed the cup was very dirty and dingy and brown and had been kind of beaten up a bit. But as I peered over the rim of the cup and looked on the inside, there was pure water. And the cup was clean on the inside. Which is the very opposite of the pharisaical way of doing church and religion. You remember what Jesus said? The cup has been shined on the outside. But man, it is filthy on the inside, Lord. We just repent as a church. We repent as the church in our city and in our nation, Lord, for having a cleaned up cup and a filthy inside, a toxic inside, a divisive inside, a competitive and comparative inside, Lord. Clean up the vessel. And it was in that moment that I realized the cup of suffering is actually the cup of joy. Most people won't choose the suffering and in so doing, they neglect the joy. There's joy in the hard things, says the Lord. There is joy in the hard things. There's joy in the suffering, says the Lord. There is joy in the challenges, says the Lord. And we choose to drink, we choose to drink, we choose to drink. 
Uh, we take no mind of the suffering. If we get Jesus, we say it's worth it. If we get sick, we say it's worth it. If we have hardship, we say it's worth it. I remember just, you know, drinking the cup in the spirit that day and, and, and saying, yes, God, yes, 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 God, yes. And about a year later, I was in Mozambique and I was with one of my favorite people, a missionary who's very intimidating named David Hogan. His ministry has raised over 500 people from the dead. I know sometimes that's a little hard to believe, but it's true. You should hear his stories. And we were scuba diving one afternoon. And he said in his way, David Hogan, why'd you choose India? <laughs> that's how he talks, actually. And he said, God give you a dream. I said, no, I asked him for India and he gave me a cup of suffering. <laughs> and we were both in our wetsuits, you know, like stripped down halfway, kind of a weird moment. And he grabbed me by the shoulder and he looked at me dead in the eye. And it was almost like that crazy look you see in somebody's eye when you're like, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> And he just stared at me for like an awkward eight to 10 seconds. And then the side of his mouth began to smile and he goes, <laughs> I was scared. <laughs> and he said, uh, oh, <laughs> the cup of suffering. He goes, this is what you do. <laughs> He's so funny. You look into the eyes of the great Holy Ghost. <laughs> and you drink it all. <laughs> Where are the Joshua generals? This is a word, man. I'm telling you, this is from the Lord. I believe it. It's not for everybody. Where are the leaders? Where are the Joshua generals? Where are the Joshua generals? Where are the Joshua generals? I, I just, as we're closing here, it's the last thing I want to pray, but I just, I want to make a decision. And uh, this is a scary decision, but I, I just want to make this decision publicly, if we could, together. Is that we, we choose to say yes to God. Um and however he wants to build this house. What if, what if the house isn't supposed to explode and be this mega church? I don't, and I don't care if it is, to be honest, that'd be great. I love that. I have dreams and we have prophetic words about five campuses all throughout Nashville and 5,000 disciples in Nashville. I have prophetic words about this. So that's great. I'm cool with that. I'm comfortable with that. If that's what God wants to do, amen, hallelujah. Hope that's not scary for anybody in here. But what if, what if that's not what God wants to do? What if God wants to keep it small on purpose like he did with his 12? 
you know, and like whenever he died, they all deserted and they thought that he was a failure as a leader. But actually what he had done is caused a company of people to be so potent with his presence, with his fragrance, with his ministry, with his methods, with his anointing, with his power. That in just a couple hundred years, what was once 12 became thousands. And it did not just simply infect a city, but it affected the nations of the earth. So much so that in Acts 19, when missionaries showed up on the shoreline, the people scratched their heads and said, These are those that have turned the world upside down, and they have also come here. I mean, I... I, I this may not even be relevant for people watching online, but I just want to publicly say, hey, God, we say yes. We say yes to you and we say yes to what you want to build. We say yes to your timing. We say yes to your method. We say yes to how you want to do it. God, if, if you want to raise up a, a company of people that say, man, I'll drink the cup of suffering, that's not going to be a whole lot of people probably. The more sacrifice required to endure the vision will determine the size of people who choose to follow it. More sacrifice, it's usually less of a crowd. Right? Eat my blood, eat my flesh, drink my blood. We'll see you later. So we just say yes, Lord. My God, that's a scary prayer, isn't it? Maybe not for you, maybe for me, but we just say yes, God, to whatever you want to do. We say yes, God, to whatever you want to do. We say yes, God, to whatever you want to do. We say yes, God. We say yes, God. It's, it's not always going to be the cup. Don't worry, guys. Some days it'll be a steps bathed in butter. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, but we just, we just want to seal this in the blood of Jesus. We want to say yes and amen. Amen and amen and amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.